Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We're glad to have you on this Tuesday, October the 10th of 2023. Lots of things happening in our world that um, um, have a lot of implications in the spiritual world, and and um, we are not going to discuss that particular topic today, but we need, do need to remember to pray. Pray for Israel. Pray for America. Uh, so uh, we want to welcome you from around the world that are coming in to study with us. We appreciate you. And uh, we ask you to contact us, if you will, at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We also want to remind you of our book entitled I Surrender and it's available uh, at Amazon and through any of your local bookstores. Today we're going to begin a new series and the title is Have We Determined to Disapprove of the Man Approved by God? That's a very good question in this day. We're going to take our text from Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, and we will begin to pursue that in uh, just a moment. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started with our new series on Have We Determined to Disapprove of the Man Approved by God? Father, I ask you to open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us, and then to allow us to be changed, appropriate the message so that we can be changed in the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you to speak directly through the Spirit so that we may know what to do, do understand know and demonstrate. We will receive it as the Holy Ghost reveals it. And we will release it to your people. And therefore we can be changed. We can be led, guided into truth. We can be corrected as the need may be. So as your Spirit operates, may we hear, may we ever be faithful to share the message that comes in the Spirit. Bless us now, I pray, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. So have we determined to disapprove of the man who was approved by God? Now I want to read this little piece of Scripture to you. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon them, upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. That is the most critical statement here. There were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men who were operating in the devout religion of their day and they were there from every nation under heaven when this event transpired now when this was noised abroad the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language 
They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Perithians and Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea, and Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, do we hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God? And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? That's a big question. What meaneth this? So we see Israel join together, and we see an event occur, and we see them all hearing the occurrence in a language of which they all understand, and they are all saying the same thing from these tongues that the wonderful works of God are being displayed. And then they ask the question, what means this? What is the meaning of this? Why has this come? Well, I ask that question today. What is the meaning of this? What is the meaning of it? Whenever our world is, dis- is uh, div- divided by religious ideology. What is the meaning of this when God has shed abroad His divine plan in the actions of Jesus Christ? The actions that would save anybody, but the actions that seem not to save everybody. Here we saw a list of 10 or 12 different countries that have joined together (coughs) at a high religious time. The Feast of Pentecost. And they are hearing out of this feast the wonderful works of God. What's it mean, they say? Well, it means that God is executing precisely and exactly what it is He has pre-approved to execute on the behalf of everybody that is in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when this magnificent event is displayed in their eyes. Then we go down to verse 22, and we hear Peter say something. Ye men of Israel, who's he talking to? He's talking to all of the religious ideology that are located at the time that this event is transpiring. And he's saying to Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, now watch this, a man approved of God, among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Now Peter is invoking something here that you must see. Because he is invoking the God of whom Israel has their spiritual and their worship relationship with. And he's saying to them, those of you that have your ideology in a God, in the God, 
in the God that has chosen you as his special people. Those of you that have your ideology wrapped up in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those of you who have been blessed and brought into the promises of God through the ministry God produced in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That same God has shown you a man approved of God. A man who has done works that are under the direction of God. A man whom you have seen execute miracles, wonders, and signs right in your very midst. Not only in your midst, but you uh, yourselves have been privileged to be a part of this, the acts that Jesus Christ has done under the approval of God. And so all of these men, all of these people groups have joined together to be spoken to in a magnificent tongue that brought to their understanding the wonderful works of God. And what do they say about it? What's it mean? Well, it means that God has shown you the one who is approved of God. It means that God has gone beyond and above to expose himself in this man. Not only now by these wonderful works of God that you are seeing, but through wonderful works of signs, wonders, and miracles of which Jesus did in your midst. What a God we're talking about. It's a God that to this day is denied, his works disapproved. The Jews to this day stand in opposition to the Messiah. And because they stand in opposition to the Messiah, but yet are the world's known people that are approved by God, stand at a crossroad of vulnerability to those who are operating from the house of Hagar. And so what we see today is that there is a mechanism and there is a means that God himself has provided to close this gap. And Israel, God's chosen people of whom we pray for, Israel, God's chosen people of whom we protect, Israel, God's chosen people, of whom we support, refuses to answer to the wonderful work of God, and their response simply is, what's all this about? Why? Because they have chosen to deny the Messiah, the man whom God has applied his actions into the earth, not only for the Gentile, but for the Jew as well. So, now we come out of that spectrum and we walk into our world spectrum. Because as the Jew has denied the operations of Jesus Christ and asked, what meaneth this? The church of which Jesus died for is asking the same question. 
And the reality is our title today, Have We Disapproved of What God Has Pre-Approved and Has Exposed His Approval in Peter's Preaching? Have we, along with the Jew, disapproved of all of the works of the Messiah? Now it's easy for us to cast aspersions towards the Jew and to say, well, you uh, had it all and chose to crucify Christ. But yet the church of which Jesus Christ died for is as much in denial concerning all of the works and actions of Jesus Christ and the concurrent replication of those actions in the believer that are all affiliated and associated with the plan of salvation. What a sad state. So what have we done? we fractured the church. We've created a divided world. And we've divided it to the point where we are focusing on such things as social justice and racism. Well, one would not consider the consent of this teaching to be a point of division in the church world because we're talking about the division that came in the conclusive work of the acts of Jesus Christ, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, my friend, in the church world, we have disapproved of the very events that God has placed his stamp of approval on. There's no question concerning what Jesus taught. There is not only history, but Scripture. And Scripture is a history of what he did. And there is then the effects of what was accomplished on the early church development. The question now comes into play once those of whom he gave this message has passed away, has God's stamp of approval upon his work passed away with those who were the original carriers of this message. Well, the cessationists say that they can point to scriptural evidence that leads them to believe that such things as the final conclusive act of Jesus Christ in the pouring out of his spirit, well, that's all ceased. Of course, the continuationist theorists do the same as with all disagreements or debates, two sides are presented to punctuate each side's position. Of course, in doing so, the, debate, the debaters pick and choose information that best makes their respective point and supports their position. This is simply, my friends, the nature of debate. However, the debate becomes more about now the debaters than the topic debated. Why is that? Because once a side is chosen, there is absolutely no future information that's going to be gathered or shared that's going to change the mind of those who are debating. Hence, 
comes the term, we agree to disagree. But is that necessary where this debate is concerned? There is nothing in Scripture that can satisfy this debate and draw all sides. Is there nothing in Scripture that can satisfy the debate and draw all sides into one circle? It's highly probable, my friends, that there is a God who has unfolded his intentions and plans very clearly for anyone to see and to identify with. And of course, we begin this series with Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. And we focus on this that there was a man approved of God. His approval came by you in terms of miracles, wonders, and signs. So what are we seeing in Acts chapter 2? We're seeing all three of those. We're seeing miracles, signs, and wonders being deposited in and upon men to the extent that those who heard what was happening identified it as a wonderful work of God. Upon reading this, we clearly see that Jesus of Nazareth was in fact. His actions throughout his ministry, through his actions in the cross, in the tomb, in the resurrection, in the priesthood, in his lordship, and subsequently in his revealing and releasing the promise of the Father, all of those were actions that were approved by God. This tells me that all of the actions of Jesus Christ were not only approved, but they were pre-approved. As he was called by God to complete them. This also tells me that the method of approval was identified. How was it identified? through miracles, signs, and wonders. As we see these being done among us and in the midst of those who Peter is speaking, his pre-approved plan was to walk among them and expose the approval of the Father to all who saw him by the means of those great and mighty works. Then he said that a greater work was to occur that would be compounded by subsequent greater works until he returned to the position that he had held from the foundation of the world. Each of these compound works reflected the approval of God upon the actions completed. I mentioned them already. There are six of them. Those six are also associated with God's plan of salvation for mankind. So as Peter makes this statement, he's not expressing the approval as if it were assigned to this particular event. He's expressing this approval across the spectrum of activities that Jesus has completed. He will substantiate this concept as he preaches on the day of Pentecost. Let's look at Peter's message as he speaks in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, 
Ye men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. In other words, listen to what I'm about to share with you concerning this event. For these that you see are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this has already been spoken of. It's been prophesied to be by the prophet Joel. And here's what he said in verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Everybody will have the opportunity to walk into the life of the spirit. Now watch what he says. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall see visions. Young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Now watch it. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. These of whom you are hearing speak are not drunk with something that impairs their physical self. And you know it absolutely. It's too early in the day for such behavior. So Peter tells them, stop trying to create a debate or to place mockery upon what has and is happening here. This is, you know, being taught the scripture, Peter says, was prophesied by Joel. The Spirit would be poured out upon people. Who would come into this spiritual operation? We tend to focus on the Scripture from the perspective of sons and daughters and young and old. And that, that seems to make sense. But in verse 18, there is an answer, my friend, that we have overlooked. The servants and the handmaidens, these are the ones who are going to complete the process of which Peter is going to outline in his preaching. At what age they come to the realization of the approved actions of Jesus is not relevant. They can be young or they can be old. They will come into a position where they will become servants and handmaidens. And when they do, they will move into an experience that will afford them a pouring out of the Spirit. Now, when we look to locate where the apostles and the disciples are, we find them located in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. In both instances, they are brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That produces in them the position of being servants and handmaidens to the reign and rule of his lordship. That produces in them a position in the kingdom of his dear son where they are now operating as servants who are getting ready to carry forth a message that Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8 would be a message of being a witness unto him. You cannot become that witness of Acts 1 and 8 until you come into the servitude of Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Now locating them 
going further over into Paul and Jude and seeing them located as servants, we can now come into the position whereby we become witnesses and are endued with power from on high. When that occurs, we have gotten there only because we were servants and we were handmaids. We have come into the outpouring of the Spirit. Now here's a point in the debate that's not recognized or understood. The pouring out of the Spirit is the result of the actions that have been approved by God, brought in the measure of the gift of Christ, according to the gift of grace. They are the result of the believer experiencing the actions of Jesus and then them being replicated by the works of the Holy Spirit in the believer across both his spirit and his soul. As the believer has these replications of the portions or the measure of the actions of Jesus replicated in them, they progress by grace and the blood and they too are now operating and become approved by God. Now, for most believers, this is never even considered to come into servitude because we, in our natural mind, represent servitude to be works, cleaning, serving food, being an usher, all of those things. We refer to those as being in service. They are not. Servitude occurs whenever we come under the rule and reign of His Lordship. When we come under the rule and reign of His Lordship, our message changes. We now express and expose the name of Jesus Christ. And when we do, our faith package changes. We now change our faith into the works of His faith. And upon so doing, we become servants, and our message now comes into a message of witnessing unto him. And when we do, it comes with power, as is exposed in Acts chapter 2, where they all heard them speak in their own tongue the wonderful works of God. What does this mean? That they're operating in what has been approved for them to operate in. They're operating in the place that God has approved for them to be. When and why would God cease the approval of his operation? When and why would God all of a sudden say, I only need you to be approved over here. Even though Jesus has done all of this work and the prophecies have exposed that Jesus was going to bring you into a place where you would destroy the house of the wicked, and crush the devil from the foundation to the... You would literally have the ability, the power, to step on the neck of the devil and bleed the very breath out of him. Why would God change that? Well, the only means for him to do so is when we disapprove of what God has approved of. Most believers never consider this, and therefore they stay attached to the five things that Jesus told us about in Luke 4 and 18. We never consider 
Therefore we remain attached to what we know was experienced in the outer court, in the tabernacle, in the desert. It's just the experience of knowing there is a Jesus. They remain attached to the area that their flesh can see. They stay at or near the cross. They struggle with sin and cannot figure out why they talk about loving God but can't quit doing the things that the world does. They require constant visits to the cross. Constantly seeking engagement of forgiveness for the guilt of their attachment to sin. They do not allow even the cross to accomplish its work of replicating forgiveness and complete healing in the spirit. So there is so much emphasis in our world placed on sin because they are unable to see the actions that have been approved by God for man to move forward by grace and through faith into anything more equally yoked with the acts of Jesus than just the accomplishments of the cross. So we disapprove of what God has placed his approval upon. Because when Peter says this in Acts 2.22, there were miracle signs and wonders that were attached to the works of Jesus Christ that went from the cross all the way through to the actions that are occurring in Acts chapter 2. The Jews wanted to know what it meant. The church has determined that it doesn't mean anything. And they tell us that all of this is gone. Well, I'm here to train you and teach you in a scripture in the word of God that will identify that if you're disapproving what God has approved of, then you are living as a cake half-baked. Because God's design for man was that every action that Jesus Christ accomplished was to be replicated in us. And we were to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling all the way through the plan of salvation. Going to stop, not finished. This is session one. Father, I pray that you will bless and minister your word. Open our eyes that we can see what this means. And that what you have approved in the actions of Jesus Christ is as every bit approved in this moment as it ever was. Every bit approved to be appropriated to any and every believer as it ever was. If we would just come into the truth and allow you to do what it is, your pre-approved plan accomplished when Jesus met the total approval as a job well done as recorded for us in the occurrence of Acts chapter 2. Father, I thank you. Open our eyes and we'll give you praise in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Find him as Lord. Go beyond anything you've ever done. There, every knee in your life will bow. 
Find him as the man in the Godhead, though. From there, the Spirit will lead you, speak to you great and mighty things that are to come. May God bless you until we speak again.